0: welcome to lipstick attitude hosted by dr elizabeth king psychotherapist hypnotherapist author and motivational speaker specializing in trauma and women's mental health and yvonne haas psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships couples and women's issues this show is your dose of inspiration information and laughter in each episode dr king and yvonne bring you hacks tips and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life so ladies grab your lipstick it's time to do this The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lipstick Attitude. My name is Dr. Elizabeth King. I am your host and my co-host is Yvonne Haas. Hello, Yvonne. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're all listening to our wonderful episodes. We have an episode out every single week. So make sure you're listening, subscribing, and sharing, and all that good stuff. Make some comments. And today we have a very famous man. What, Yvonne, what? You're gonna, Yvonne, you're going to have to say his name because I'm not going to get it right.
0: Go you, it. my dear, have got to stop being chicken. I okay. am
1: chicken and I don't care. Leave me With... alone. She's Spanish. Al- That's her leave- next excuse. I'm
0: Spanish.
1: Me. <laughs> leave me alone. Introduce our guests
0: because I'm right. going to butcher it. Our guest today is Mr. Stefan Chav- Chavijian.
1: There you go. Oh, well done. There,
0: we go. Do <laughs> yeah. yep. there okay. we go. Chavijian.
1: Chavijian. Okay, Chavijian. I'm going to practice all day long today, Stefan. I oh, promise. Well, now,
0: now that it's over, good call there, my friend. <laughs> good
1: job. You're, you always have to throw me under the bus. Really? Seriously? <laughs> but welcome, Stefan. I won't say your last name. I'll just say welcome.
2: It's good to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't have to say my last name.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not even going to try. Okay, I'm not. Uh, so welcome. We we have an amazing show, and Stefan is one of my most favorite people. You don't know that, but you are one of my most favorite people um, because you speak so well about everything you speak about. I just love hearing you and you're funny as heck. That's really the, the main thing there. And today's episode is called Generosity Matters and you'll hear why and why he's one of my favorite people in a minute. Yvonne, you wanna take
0: it from there? I sure will. So everyone, please welcome Stefan chavigian born the eldest grandchild of the Reverend Billy Graham provided Stefan at an early age, a kingdom perspective that he maintains to this day. Stefan currently serves as one of the founders and the president of the board of the National Christian Foundation of South Florida, formed as a platform to encourage and facilitate generous giving among the South Florida Christian community, impacting local, national, international needs. He, by the way, was also a panelist for Men in the Hot Seat, Suit, Stiletto and Lipstick Foundation's most recent fundraiser, Super excited. Yeah. So We're if you missed excited. that, you you missed some, some real answers there from these gentlemen, but we might actually get Stefan to answer a few more for us today. The first one being, what in the world would have you say yes to being in that hot seat?
1: And be careful how you answer that, by the way. I n- Not
2: knowing that Dr. King thought I was one, of, I, and I didn't know that I'm one of her favorite people, so that's very humble for me to hear that, um, but I, it's because she asked me, so um, and at first I said no, I said why in the world would I do that? Um, and, uh, in my head, I have a busy life like so many of us. And then she kept asking me and kept asking me. (laughs) And then I thought, okay, let me look at this again. And I said, okay, fine. What, what, uh, what harm can there be? And uh, (laughs) and there was so much harm. It wasn't even that hot. It was maybe a little bit warm, but it wasn't even hot. So I, I would not discourage anybody else from doing it.
1: Well, uh, well uh, you know, it's very funny you say that. And thank you for not throwing me under the bus. I thought you were going to say she begged and tortured me to saying yes. No, no, no. <laughs> you said ask. Thank you.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Even my office had said, he's not going to say yes to that. And, and then I told him, I said, I said yes to that. They go, you said yes to that. I go, yeah. I said, why not? So um, it was a delightful. I didn't get to do the whiskey tasting piece, but um, it seemed like everybody enjoyed that part as well.
1: Well, you didn't want to. I am going to drop off your kid. You didn't want to join us on the whiskey tasting. but.
2: I I got a reputation to keep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'll do it behind (laughs) closed doors. Is that what it is? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> they go, look at that guy, look, look at him, he's slurring his words while he's trying to answer these hot questions.
0: Well, we it thought it would help loosen lips a little bit from,
2: from the audience. Body, they're already pretty loose already, so that would yeah.
1: just... Yeah. truth.
0: I know, truth. I don't need whiskey for that either. I actually don't yeah. need anything for that to get myself in trouble. Thank you, I'm good yeah, at like, it myself. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. But I, I'm glad you said you would do it again, because I was going to ask you if you would do it again. Um because it's good for the guys out there to see, oh yeah, no, look, he survived. Not only did he survive, but he's willing to put himself out there again.
2: Yeah, you know what? And and I would I would venture to say that doing it in person would even be a little hotter because you've got, mm-hmm. you know, you've got you're in the room. You feel the tension when those questions come your way. So in Zoom, you can just sort of Quickly, you know, disconnect or mute <laughs> or turn off your video or you know whatever. <laughs> Pretend you're getting a phone call. There's easy, <laughs> things. which I may do during this podcast. You never know if all of a sudden appear on you. You'll be like, "What's going on?"
0: Right. <laughs> we also can't mute the audience when it's in person, so you never exactly. know. There's no filtering of questions if people yes. are in the room. I have no right, control. Right.
1: Yeah. So uh, write this down, Yvonne. That he said yes to doing it again. And hopefully it will be in person and you will feel yeah. a little bit more of the heat. But we'd like to tell our guy panelists that it's going to be super hot so that when the questions come in, you, you have such high expectation of it being hot that you go, oh, yeah, it was just warm. Yeah, this is yeah, good.
2: Exactly. I was uh you guys did good. You you did you did well. So okay, I think you, you filtered yeah. those questions. I can only imagine what some of the other ones were. Oh, so oh. maybe today we'll ask some of those.
0: Oh yes. I'm yes. not even sure why people want to know some of those questions. <laughs> what are you going to do with that information?
2: <laughs> no, no, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it's a
1: lot of fun. <laughs> oh my gosh so here's my question and I've been dying to ask you this even through the times that I've uh, met you from the beginning that I met you uh you were our lead facilitator at LifeWork which hopefully you'll share a little bit about Um, but as Yvonne shared you are the grandson of the Reverend Billy Graham who is probably one of the most known person and most influential men in in modern day time. I want to know, what was it like being the grandson of such a celebrity, of this incredible human being?
2: Yeah, it's funny, um, uh, and I'll answer that question a couple ways, but you know, one of the Experiences is um, well. First of all, I always have a disclaimer because whoever's in the room, um, uh, half people. If you're under forty, you go, "Who in the heck's Billy Graham?" <laughs> um, if you're over forty, then you might go, "Oh yeah, he was some religious guy." You know, if, if you come from a religious background, uh, you might go, oh, "Yeah, I remember seeing him preach." Because if you don't know who he is, he was a famous. World preacher, um, and he sort of took preaching from from the little chapels and and churches and parishes, and he he was the guy that did the big tent revivals and the big big stadium events, and um, he became world famous. I mean, was Time Magazine's Man of the Year a few times, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I always have to have a disclaimer for people who you know, because I've been in rooms where I'm introduced that way. And I can tell by looking at everybody, they're like, okay, who in the heck is Billy Graham guy, you know? And they might Google, and there was a pro wrestler by the name of Billy Graham as well. <laughs> so they might think pro wrestler, preacher, in some cases, maybe the same, um, who knows? <laughs> um, so I grew up in, um, uh, but when I grew up, he was already famous. So I've often equated it to like, if you if you talk to a kid who grew up in a home of a you know, billionaire, you go, so what was it like being, you know, a billionaire, living in a home of a billionaire? And you go, I don't know. That's always what I always knew. Um, So it wasn't like he was a nobody. And then, you know, he had won the lottery or he had, you know, gone on Shark Tank or something and became super famous. And everybody's talking about him. He was always there, Um, but he was always incredibly accessible. So I never saw him necessarily as the famous guy. I just saw him. What we called him was Daddy Bill. Um, was our nickname for him as grandfather, and I, being the eldest, um, he was still relatively young when he when I became, you know, the grandchild. So I get to see him, spend time with him, travel with him, um, and I think, um, you know, what was it like? Um, I think it was normal. I mean, I, it wasn't like your normal grandfather that you know plays baseball in your backyard or takes you down to the local watering, you know, fishing hole. And um, but he um, was authentic. And I will often say I never saw an inconsistency with the public man and the private man. Which, unfortunately, in today's world where anybody who's a leader, whether it's a religious leader, political leader, business leader, entertainer, whatever, you know, we've become so cynical that, you know, they say one thing and then we find out later they're actually doing the opposite. And you're going, you know, especially when it comes to the church world. And so that really helped shape my faith early on, because I think, you know, there's a default. I mean, I'm a cynical person to begin with, um, but um, to, to see that when I was, was raised, not that he was a perfect man, but um, that was that was huge for me. So um, all in all, it was great experience. Got to meet a few famous people here and there, you know, that were his friends. He was real close with John and June Carter Cash. And uh, so, you know, the old Johnny Cash, that was sort of cool and, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, it was good.
0: So when you were little listening to him, were you sitting there going, oh, man, that sounds good. Or were you like just a kid going, oh, man, I've heard this one before.
2: Yeah, you're like, so, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you, I was raised in a, what they call a Christian home, and I, you know, I, some some people listening maybe could identify, oh, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home or a Catholic home or a religious home or an atheist home, you know, whatever. I mean, that was my, I was raised that way. Um, and You know i think i have to give my parents and my grandparents great credit because they they raised us in a way that it was not a bunch of like religion like a bunch of rules and you better do this and if you don't do this you're going to get in trouble and you're always trying to make god with a big old beard happier he'll strike you down it was really more much more relational like like your best friend kind of stuff and it had to be authentic to your own story so So I was taught, you know, my faith isn't because my grandfather was uh, a man of God or my parents were that way. At some point I had to go, is this for real or is it not? You know, do I believe this? Do I not? That kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, we went to church on Sundays. Half the time we were bored out of our skull. Um, (laughs) You know, watch my grandfather preach. Um, You know, thought, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I think as kids we were... Like, we weren't forced to watch him. It feels on television. It was like, get over here. It's time to watch your grandfather. No, I want to play. No, get over here. You know, it wasn't that at all. I think I was probably more intrigued by, you know, watching the $6 million man or something like that, that ages me, <laughs> but, you know, than a Billy Graham special. But, you know, it is what it is.
1: What What lesson do you think you walked away from your childhood from him specifically, if any? Um
2: yeah, I, there's a couple, but I'll, I'll probably highlight, he was the, by far, the most humble man I've ever met. Um, if he was sitting with you right now, if he was on this podcast, I mean, he would genuinely be asking you more questions than you're asking me. I mean, if you ever met him in person, he wasn't like one of those people like that had this entourage around him. and you know, and aren't you lucky to meet me because I'm so famous kind of guy. I mean, he would genuinely look at you both and say, well, tell me about your family. Tell me about your life and tell me about your work and all that kind of stuff. So, and you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be genuinely that way. And especially when you're, you know, when you're really famous, I mean, he could theoretically pick up the phone and he was close with many of the presidents in our country, many, you know, influential global leaders, um, you know, and for him to remain genuinely humble, not only is uh, a testimony to his upbringing, it's a testimony to, I think, his authentic faith because he recognized I'm not God, God is God and he, I'm here to serve God. He really, really believed that. I mean, this was not a career path for him. It wasn't his his little shtick, you know, it was genuinely a true sense of believing in God and that God had uniquely created him and that he was basically telling that story, you know, like, hey, God's my friend, and I want to introduce him to others. And I think my grandmother, I mean, she doesn't get a lot of fame, but she she would be on this podcast, she'd be wearing red.
1: Yeah. She became famous. my girl. <laughs>
2: she became famous. You guys would like this. She became famous when my grandfather was uh, famous and they went over to England for the first time. Over there, the religious people, like the Christian people were, the women would wear no makeup, no lipstick, you know, dress really like prim and proper. And, you know, with a sort of, that that was just the way they did it then. And my grandmother came over there and she made a point of putting red lipstick on her lips everywhere she went. And that just started like, a revival i mean like all the women started putting red lipstick run into the shelf and it became this thing like oh my gosh this religious lady the wife of billy graham is is able to wear lipstick i guess we're able to wear lipstick so she would fit right <laughs> in with you guys you, you would like she would be like
1: wow. part of this
2: thing you guys have doing here
1: oh, you don't God. know that
0: That's- that's fantastic. Oh my God, I'm in love
1: with her. I'm in love with her right now. Oh my goodness. She, she had a Is twinkle she still in her alive?
0: eye. No,
2: no, she died. Uh, my grandfather died. Dad died. Yeah. They're all dead. But uh, I guess that so we all die oh. at some point, right? So
0: Yeah, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. But, yeah. but not today. You know, I, I was going to say,
1: not today, not today. Uh, Stefan, you said that uh, uh, your grandfather was so humble. And I just want to just say that I remember right after life work, which is an amazing leadership uh, workshop that I participated, I I believe it's eight or nine months uh, workshop. uh, You asked for a meeting with me, and I was a little bit intrigued what that meeting lunch meeting would be. And I remember you asking me questions, Mm. genuinely asking me questions about me and who I was and even before the podcast you were asking Yvonne. So I think you learned the lesson well from your grandfather is all I'm here to no, say. So thank you're you for out. thank you great. so much.
2: No, you know you the older you get, I'm 56, you know, you learn to say, you know, try to ask more questions and talk less. And, and every day I go to bed thinking, oh my gosh, I talked too much. I said the wrong <laughs> things, you know? <laughs> I mean, those are my last few thoughts as I drift off into the night. Dear God, <laughs> please forgive me for the stupidity that came out of my mouth. The Bible has this interesting uh, phrase, this verse that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, and you think about just the wisdom, whether you believe in the Bible or not, just that mm. be quick to listen, Slow to speak, and and today would be like slow to text, slow to tweet, you know, slow to email, you know, and be slow to anger. You know, how many times I've 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 given myself time if someone ticks me off or Mm -hmm. whatever, I go, okay, just don't react. You know, take a deep breath. Maybe there's another angle to this. And so many times you go, oh my thank God I didn't say anything, you know, because it was I would have I would have been a fool, you know. So part of that's the whole humility thing and. Man, oh man! It's I, I pray to God every year. Let me be a humble man, and he he uh, he likes to answer that sometimes because uh, he humbles you. What? I didn't mean that like that quick. You mean you answer that right away.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was hoping for a warning there. Just a <laughs> yeah, slight yeah. warning. It was coming. Here you go, right. Stefan. Yeah. Lesson coming. It's, it's
1: know, so good that you said that though, Stefan, because so many of us that are not. Uh, I would say walking in faith, or so many, I'm walking in faith, but there are people out there walking, that are not walking in faith, or people that are in their faith walk, but don't feel like they've arrived, and, and they feel judged, and they feel guilty, and they feel shame, and all that, and when you shared that just now and when you say the grandson of Billy Graham is also questioning whether he's on the right path or doing the saying the right things it really humbles all of us to say hey it's okay he's human I'm human yeah I we feel all, much better
0: about myself right I now. much, Thank you much that. better uh,
1: <laughs> much better much better I think that gives us all permission if, if you can be asking those questions well we certainly I think,
2: I think there's a trap that we fall into that thinks we have to um, perform for God. And, uh, and, you know, I think religion has a lot. And, and I'm, I'm, again, I mean, I spent a bulk of my time in the church world. You know, I'm a, I'm what you would call a evangelical Christian, even though that evangelical word word is super weird right now. so I'm probably removed that because, <laughs> you know, it means a political party or something. <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> oh, But, boy. um, but you sit there and I go, and there's a lot of things I don't get. I mean, you know, I mean, I've had people come to me and go, so you, you're a follower of God. And yet, you know, do you believe in this? What about this? What about this? And I go, I don't know. And they go, what? You don't know. And I go, no, there's a mystery. There's a tension. That's what faith is. Faith is not knowing. Um, I remember asking my grandfather a question once he was here in South Florida and we were getting a hamburger together. And he Always loved to go down to the Marriott. He stayed at the Marriott's, so that was his thing. And uh, and so I remember asking him this question I say, Daddy Bill, you know, in the Bible it says this and that, and what do you think? I'm confused. And he looked at me as he's eating his hamburger, he goes, I don't know. And I was like, Okay, so Billy Graham doesn't know, and he's okay <laughs> with that. And I guess I'm okay with not knowing everything. And I get really freaked out when I meet people that, especially. Christian, like religious people that have an answer for everything. Like they, they figured it all out. They're like big red flag when that goes up. I know mm-hmm. you guys like the color red, but big red flag. And, um, and I just think that, you know, it's not about performing. I mean, think about a friendship you have or a marriage. I mean, if every day I wake up thinking, okay, I got to do these 10 things to make sure my wife's happy. And if not, she just gets ticked off. And if, if she thinks the same thing, like I've got to do all these things to make my husband happy. And if I don't, he just gets ticked off. I mean, at some point you get exhausted with that kind of relationship and you go, I'm done. Forget it. Just love me for who I am. And I will become a better person because of that versus always trying to make me somebody that I'm not. And that's where I think the narrative in the whole, you know, this is why I really I'm enthusiastic about my faith because I truly believe I see God as a as a friend as someone who's molding and shaping me. But but it, he's more interested in who I am than what I'm doing, and I think that's a narrative that gets lost a lot. And um, so you know I don't sweat it that much. I mean, yeah, I mean I mess up every single day, um, but I'm a better person because of it. So yeah,
1: I don't and, know. I, and I love that you that you're honest about saying it we talk about being perfectly imperfect and mm-hmm. and you know how you need to embrace and and love yourself regardless of your imperfections and yeah you know in, in christianity we talk mm-hmm. about sinning we all sin um but being okay with learning and being part of the journey
0: right so so yep. thank you for for
1: being and hence why you're one of my favorite people by the way
0: <laughs> <laughs> i have a question for you too just from the just human perspective with everybody who's listening. Has your have you questioned your faith ever?
2: Oh, every day. Every single day, which I think is part of the beauty of it. I mean, that's what faith is. There, in the Bible actually has this sentence that says and defines faith. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you think about that, like you marinate on that—the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So every single day, you know, I will find myself in a—I I like to argue, you know. So God and I are part arguing all the time, in in a good kind of way, like in a healthy way. Like if you have that friend of yours that you really enjoy, that iron sharpens mm-hmm. iron kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. not like a combative thing, mm-hmm. but. You know there's a whole ton of things i don't get that i don't understand that you scratch your head and and all that so yeah i think it's perfectly healthy to question your faith um because it it just it shows that i'm actually care you know if i was like whatever like if you're in a marriage for example and and the, the the answer becomes whatever that means you don't care anymore like you just don't care and and that to me becomes dangerous and so I like, I like asking God questions. And I mean, I got a million of them right now. So
1: that's great. Well, that gives it. us all permission to ask questions too.
0: But yeah. I think people need permission, you know, yeah. like you were saying, you know, if God, have, if your grandfather didn't know and he was okay with it, you could be okay with it. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. So true. That's what faith is. It's a mystery. There's a tension. If you ever look at a nice piece of art, and I've got a few pieces behind me that some they all have meaning. I mean, some of them are things that my kids drew or whatever. But what I love about nice art is that you never figure it out. Like every time you look at it, you look at it again, you may see something different. And it makes you keep coming back. Or think about your favorite movie. And every time you watch it, you might see something different. Like there's a mystery to it. To me, that's what makes the faith compelling. If, if it was so black and white, it was so paint by numbers, they just look like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. You, I mean, you got to figure it out, you know? So some of the most intriguing people I have in my own life that are friends and related to me are, are the most complex people. Like, they're a mystery. Like, every time you talk to them, they're like, you're learning something new about them or mm-hmm. something fresh, you know? They challenge you, you know? I love all that.
1: That's awesome. So the topic of today is generosity matters, and you have you're the president and co-founder of the National Christian Foundation, and your work has obviously been evolving and revolving around generosity. So why does generosity matter to you?
2: Yeah, I think generosity is a word that I think has been hijacked. You know, whenever we think of the word generosity, we immediately think of money. And we immediately think of people that are either examples of being uber generous because they're rich and they can write really big checks and name things after themselves. Or we might think of people that are not generous. Um, Or we may think of times in our own lives when we were generous and, and, uh, and you typically it goes back to a transaction. Is that what we sort of default to? I think it's much, much broader than that. I think generosity I've, I've, I try to think in real simple terms because I'm a pretty simple kind of person. And I really think of generosity as being really a difference between you live life as a giver or you live life as a a taker. So if, if, and, and if I'm a taker, it's because my perspective is around um, is around being limited. So in other words, I think of my life like I might have a well and there's just so much water in that well and I've got to preserve myself. And the more I give you water, the less there is of me. And I might do that when the well is full, but when the well starts getting a little empty, I begin to hoard that. And now I become a taker and not a giver because I'm trying to survive. But imagine for me that it's not a well that's limited like a cistern. Imagine that you're tied into an underwater river. And now you, you just go about life going, how can I deposit into someone's life? In some cases that's money. I mean, you know, there's things that we're all aware of. You all just did a fundraiser recently and we think of our charities or our churches or our parishes and things like that, that, that literally are sustained by the generosity of others. So yes, there's money involved in that. But think about time, think about your reputation, think about, you know, coming alongside a friend. I I think of single moms that are, my daughter has a a nonprofit works with single moms that are mostly um, impacted by poverty. And I'm thinking, man, those are some of the most generous people. I mean, they're working two jobs, they're caring for their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, they're not, their name's not gonna be on some big building and they're not going to some big chicken dinner. But the reality is they live as a giver, not a taker. And then we all know people that are takers. It's that person that calls you. And every time they call you, it's never to check in on you. It's because they want something. Mm-hmm. And they need something. You're like, Oh my gosh, I don't have the energy. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be that person. I want to be a giver and not a taker. So again, again, that can manifest itself in myriad of ways. Um, obviously at the foundation, we address that not only from a dollar perspective, But also, as you mentioned, the the leadership program we have and a few other things we do. So, yeah. That's
1: awesome.
0: Uh, I have a question. So aside from your experiences with your grandfather, what other experiences did you have that influence your work today?
2: Well, I think um, family is always a big, I mean, at least in my case. Um, and I and I really consider that a blessing. I, I know plenty of people that go, I didn't grow up in a healthy family or I grew up in a broken family or my dad or my mother were not a good example um, in my life. And I didn't have that. I get that. Um, I happened to grow up in a family that modeled a good work ethic, um, as we mentioned earlier, um, a, a faith. Um uh, sort of a foundation based on faith and all those kinds of things. Um, and then I had the privilege of also living in other cultures. And so I lived part of my life in, in Europe, um, as well as a little bit in the Middle East. And um, and as a, as a young kid, I think that really helped shape, you know, and I, we're seeing it. I mean, one of the reasons I love living in the South Florida community, and, and obviously we're seeing that happen across the United States is I love the diversity of cultures and the diversity of ideas. And, and it doesn't mean that I understand it all or I get it all, or maybe I even want to adopt it all. But, you know, there's a mutual respect that says, well, that's the way you think about that, or you've grown up in a certain way. So that really helped um, shape early on. I just thoroughly, thoroughly love diversity and cultures. And, and going back to the questions, you know, get to sit with somebody, You know, for example, in the in talking about a hot seat, you know, in the the Christian space, the whole uh, gay LGBTQ, that whole topic, you know, I I would have to say for the most part, the Christian community has just treated the gay community terribly. And um, I'm, I'm a heterosexual man. I don't fully get it. But at the same time, I have friends that are. And to be able to sit there and have this understanding, a of dialogue of, of, you know, in a civil way where you you're learning each other and you're learning about each other and all those kinds of doesn't mean I have to become you or you have to become me in order to have a, a friendship. Um, I'm totally anti this cancel culture that we're experiencing right now, because I think we're missing out of learning. If I cancel everybody I disagree with, then it's going to be pretty boring. It's just going to be me looking at myself in the mirror, you know, and that gets old after a while.
1: No, um, that's that's pretty profound what you just said here and I, a whole bunch of ideas came to my head, including that we need to have you back on the show and definitely on the hot seat because, you know, one of the things that really intrigues me about you and that attracts me to the way you speak is your honesty and your rawness and your ability, you know, as a Christian leader to be able to say what you just said right Mm -hmm. here on the air you know it it just it gives you like a sigh of relief almost i i don't know if you're getting where i'm coming from but it's almost like ah you know we could talk in dialogue about anything and everything without feeling like oh my gosh this christian man is judging me or (laughs) you know (laughs) right i i just i just love that and and i think that if more Christian um leaders or any leaders would speak honest and raw and and without pretenses the way you do I think more no. people would come along for the ride mm. and would be willing to you know hear hear you out and mm. and and even come uh along for the for the journey because I think that a lot of people shy away from religion, and this is a totally off topic uh, comment that I'm going to make, but a lot of people turn off from religion because they feel like they are not even worthy to be sitting there. Mm -hmm. And when they hear from someone like yourself that we are all in this together, it really gives you an opportunity to pause and breathe. Mm. So I I thank
0: you so much for that, truly. I I think we need more of that period end of story,
1: you know, I mean, especially
0: right now, like when you were saying earlier, Stefan, about be slow to anger, Mm. I just want to turn to some people and say, slow your ride, like, come on, everybody, you can have a different opinion, we don't have to hate each other, right, you know, but I, and, you know, and you don't need to be a leader to make that your mission, to be able to listen to other people. But you're right, we are very much a cancel uh, society and a lot of people are, I mean, I see it all the time, I'm unfriending this person for their view. I'm right, thinking
1: that. Just unfriending,
0: <laughs> yeah. they live their
1: life unfriending, quote unquote, like they're on Facebook, you know? It's, yeah. you know, we need to yeah, grow up a little bit.
2: What happens is you miss out on the opportunity to learn and listen um from the experience you know if so i one of the things i say to god pretty much every morning and and for me the prayer thing is an ongoing it's conversation like we're having it's not like oh dear god did it and it's you know that kind of thing even though i mean there're times i close my eyes and all that but have, it's just a conversation is i always say lord i, I make me suspicious of myself mm. you know like like as i go throughout my day you know our default is usually you know, well, my opinion's right. You know, I mean, yours is wrong. Mine's right. Now I'm going to spend my time convincing you why mine's right and yours is wrong. I mean, we, we sort of walk into conversations. We walk into meetings. We walk into things like that. Like if you create a suspicion around yourself, like maybe I'm not right. Maybe my perspective on this is not correct. Maybe I misread that email. Maybe I misheard that message. Maybe I misinterpret it. Maybe I don't understand the context of where it's coming from. All of those things can begin to shape my response to that. And this goes back to that listening and, and learning. And, you know, my goodness, uh, like during this whole thing that happened after George Floyd, I work with a lot of churches. And so we pulled together on Zoom, African-American churches, Hispanic churches, and white churches, just the pastors, to have some really honest conversations about what was going on, because even within the church, it was divisive. I mean, it was really divisive. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so we had some really honest conversations and you know, some, some of the African-American pastors going, guys, this is my experience. This is what I go through every day. This is what my kids have gone through. And then having white pastors go, what are you t- talking about? I mean, I'm not racist. Well, But you're going, yeah, but you're living in this. And I mean, that kind of dialogue back and forth in very honest, and even some of the guys going, you know, you're probably not gonna to wanna to be my friend after I say this, but I've gotta say it. And they say it, not only did they not lose a friend, it, it reinforced the friendship because all of a sudden people had this dialogue of saying, I need to learn. I didn't grow up as an African male in the world. I don't get that space. But for me to sit with somebody that I trust and go, okay, help me understand, you know, that's, that's why I think the diversity... It, it, you know, again, I don't have to become that person. I don't have to change my opinions, but I'm, I'm, I'm much more sensitive to it. I mean, I mean, think about parenting. I mean, that's what parenting is. I mean, marriage. I mean, it's all that stuff. It's just... No, in
0: marriage, I'm always right.
2: Yeah. Well, here, here <laughs> Me it is. Too. On my arm is tattooed, surrender early. <laughs>
0: Did you get that on your wedding day?
2: No, no. I learned after 30 some years of marriage, I uh, just yeah. surrender. The first five years, I was trying to make my wife like me because that was obviously well, why wouldn't you want to be like me? And she's trying to make me like her. So then, after about five years, you're going, that's not going to work too well. So, you know, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I, I love that. Appreciate the differences.
1: So, you know, when you come back to the men in the HUD seat, if we could just start off with that comment, that would save a lot of heartache for a lot of men right. and I a could. lot of women. I so, just start off with think, that uh,
2: yeah. I could tell you about speed. I could tell you about speed fighting. So my wife and I, we, we will argue, but we do it like speed fighting and there's a, that'll save hours of, of hell. And then so what America. is that?
1: What is that? You just I mean, you
2: speed fight. Um, So um, I can I'll tell you a brief story if you want me to. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So so my so my wife and I, um, we try to take about two weeks um, every year, just the two of us. We have five kids, seven grandkids. So we say, okay, we've been doing this for the last maybe 20 years where we just the two of us will go away. Just the two of us. So we'll go to the Caribbean or do something like that. And so I remember one year we were down in the Caribbean. We were walking here. Here, I mean, this is perfect paradise. Here we are walking down the beach. And um, and I forget exactly what happened, but I said something that just upset her. And she goes, fine. You know what? If you're going to be like that, I'm going back to my chair. I go, fine. Go to your chair. I'm going to go down the beach and sit on my favorite rock. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so she turns around. She goes sits on her chair. I go sit on my rock. I stare out at the ocean. The first half an hour, I'm thinking, sitting there. I'm talking to God. God, she's such a jerk. You got to fix her. That's the first half an hour. The second half hour is, okay, God, she's a jerk. I'm a little bit of a jerk. I get it. It's 50-50. By the third half hour, it's, okay, God, I'm the jerk. She's not the jerk. So the hour and a half has gone by. You walk back to the beach. Back to the chair, there's still a little ego. You don't want to be the first one to talk. Whoever talks first is the loser in this argument. So you sit there quietly with this tension in the air, you know, waiting for that one person to say something because I'm ready to say, I'm sorry, but I don't want to really come out and say that. So finally, you know, she says something, I say something, we fix it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, what happened? I don't know. Half of our vacation, half a day in a vacation, five hours wasted on a stupid comment. So it's like two years later, we're going down the same beach, walking down the same, probably having the same conversation. I don't know what it is. And she goes, fine, I'll go sit on my chair. I go, fine, i go sit on my rock. And then you push fast forward, you go, you go real quick, you see what's gonna happen. 90 seconds go by, hey hun, I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay, no problem, she turns out we keep <laughs> walking. It. So we got it out of our system and just did it in 90 seconds instead of five
1: hours. I love it. it. I love it. Uh, Yvonne and I were both psychotherapists. We're gonna teach that. That's gonna oh, be part of our repertoire. Like, just get it just out. Get it, it out, it but quick. do it fast. Like, do don't, it fast. don't dwell on it. Just just yeah. get it out. I love it. I, I love was it. gonna ask you. But, uh, I was gonna ask you before uh, we get off the air, if you could share one. Good tip for everyone. I think you just that be it. <laughs> that would be it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: quick, quick <Speed> fight. Fighting, <laughs> surrender early. All that. Stuff. Slow your ride,
0: baby. Slow your slow ride. Slow
2: down. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Take each one of them.
1: So I love it. Well, I am going to ask you about one tip that you can give our listeners or audience about generosity because I think ger- generosity is what keeps people afloat when it is tough times. Mm-hmm. That's my personal belief. I believe that when you're, when you're down in the dumps, when you're in the darkest of times, if you start thinking less about you and more about others, I think that you will get out of that darkness a lot quicker. But what, what would you say to our audience as far as generosity?
2: Yeah, I think you said it very well. I mean, what it does, I see it as an antidote to the, um, the tendency that I have to be incredibly selfish. And my selfishness is sometimes warranted. In other words, if I'm going through a tough time, you know, if I'm going through a tough marriage, if I've lost a job, if I've lost a loved one, maybe I'm dealing with some heavy health issues, anxiety issues, whatever. I mean, I know I, 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 there's a saying that says never trust a person doesn't, you know, like it have not gone through a tough time, you know, someone who's gone through mm-hmm. a difficult time in your life. Cause I think you meet people. And so I sit there and I think there's a tendency to, um, to obviously look at those things and you look at, and if, as you consider those, the burdens that you're carrying in your life, which are many of them are legitimate. I mean, some of them are fabricated. I mean, we, we tend to do that to ourselves sometimes, but man, man, oh man, I know so many people that are carrying such heavy, heavy, heavy burdens, and they would have the right to be selfish and go, guys, I can't I can't even think about anybody else right now because of what's going through in my life. However, it can become, it could be a toxic situation. If you're dealing with depression and you're just hanging around by yourself all the time because you're depressed, you know, that in itself can only make you, can, can doesn't always have to be, make you more depressed, you know, those kinds of things. So I have found that... You know when you're actually going says so I'm going to actually be a giver, I'm going to actually you know pour into somebody. I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. I'm going to get off the couch. I'm going to go do something. You know, um, I think for example in my life prayer is an important part. Sometimes the generosity is in the simplicity of the prayer. So sometimes I can be in a tough situation with a with a relationship. And that person has really upset me or disappointed me or betrayed me. And you have every right to have all kinds of evil and vile thoughts about that person. But then you said, okay, God, let me see that person the way you see that person. You know, I'm actually going to pray for that person. I'm actually going to be a giver in that person's life rather than a taker. And it's amazing how often that becomes an antidote. You know, if you're struggling with your finances, but then all of a sudden, you know, it's that, 10 or $20 gift card basket thing you give at a way of Thanksgiving, and then you see the look in someone's eyes where that $20 literally makes a difference of whether they can eat or not. It seems to sort of put my stuff, again, all legitimate, puts my stuff in perspective. So I'm not discounting that we may have difficulty in our life. Just saying, I need an antidote. I need to take an Advil, you know? And I think generosity often becomes that little bit. I feel a little better right now. And, um, I'm a big proponent of that in, in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, my, our family's life and just those people that we get to work with.
1: It's interesting that, that you put it in those terms because we created, Yvonne and I created Suits, Stilettos and Lipstick Foundation because we wanted to give women and men, um, an opportunity to give back because in in our work as psychotherapists, that's one of, the, I would say, number one thing that people are missing mm-hmm. is the that heart and that spirit of giving partially because I think they don't even know where or how to give. Mm-hmm. And so you just talked about even prayer, praying for someone is as simple as that. Uh, that's generous, um, but you know, giving people the opportunity, like for example, we're doing our toy drive. We're fr- doing fundraising for our mentorship program for kids and for women, and mm-hmm. the toy drive. Well, we get people involved that are leaders involved in doing those things because they too will step out of their comfort zone and out of their their mm-hmm. you know four four walls of you know just being focused razor focus on what they're doing for themselves and feeling sometimes uh you know their life is out of control especially through COVID. right everybody feels uh-huh. like what's next and what not what's coming down my way when you really step out of that comfort zone and have that heart of generosity i think your life really changes yeah
2: well, so. very well said. Yeah, so, so yeah.
1: true. Yeah. So, thank you. So, uh, no, thank you. I And we always end our programs by me asking the question of how would you like, wh- what would you ho- hope your legacy will be? How would you like to be remembered? Because we feel like we are creating a legacy in the work that we do. And certainly you're doing that as well. But what do you hope? Um,
2: that's always a good question um i um i think the word faithfulness is is a word um that i would i would like to be somehow woven into whatever is said about me um i have a um i have a on, on my arm is another tattoo that says a long obedience in the same direction and um It's actually a saying that Nietzsche had said, but then a pastor by the name of Eugene Peterson, he's passed away, prolific writer, he had taken that and sort of wrote a book about that with this idea of a long obedience in the same direction. And I love that thought of that saying because it does reflect faithfulness, whether it's my faithfulness in my marriage with my children, grandchildren, in my work, and my friendship with God, you know, life tends to pay dividends uh, in the little by little. Sometimes we're always swinging for the bleachers, and and it's more like just just get up and get out of bed and go do what you're supposed to do today and call it a day. I mean, um, and um, yeah, so. You know, I would hope that that would be um, the legacy that people would look back and say, you know, he was a faithful guy. Um, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be rich. Don't need to be any of that. But, you know, he, he was a faithful guy. So and, and by God's grace, because I would say I'm five seconds away from being a total idiot. So, uh,
0: <laughs> so I, any I moment any
2: moment there I can take a detour. And, you know? and that time you. frame
0: gets shorter and shorter as we get older, <laughs> I think. Exactly. I can get there in about 2.5 seconds.
2: Well yeah. the cool thing about getting old, they like uh, my grandkids yes. call me grumpy as my grandfather name. I don't know why, because I'm not a grumpy guy, but it gives me license to be grumpy when they're around them. I'm like, get out of here, little kid. <laughs> 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 really
0: nice leave him alone He's
1: <laughs> you're hilarious that's that awesome, so awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
0: you probably make a really fun grandpa I think
1: yeah uh, we've so so got fun thanks
0: <laughs> awesome so uh Stefan please let us know and we'll put this in the show notes if anyone has questions for you or wants to learn more about the work that you do how can they reach you
2: um, I mean, a simple email is fine. My personal email is my initials, S as in Sam, N as Nancy, T as in Thomas, S-N-T at NCF. So it's N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie, F as in Frank, giving, like I'm giving you a present, so ncfgiving.com. So S-N-T at ncfgiving.com, and um, that's my email. That's
1: awesome. Love it. Yeah, please reach out to Stefan and find out about LifeWork because it was probably one of the most influential uh, workshops or training that I have been part of. So, um, well, thank you. That says a lot. Uh, uh, absolutely amazing. So, And you meet amazing people there. That's yeah, how that's I met Stefan. So it is time, ladies. Whip it out. And that is your lipstick is what we're talking about. We end our show, Stefan. Obviously you'll just get to watch what, by putting on our lipstick attitude. What is your grandmother's name? Her
2: name was Ruth.
1: Ruth. I yeah. want to dedicate this lipstick attitude to Ruth. This is our war paint. This reminds us that we are resilient, strong women that we can and will overcome anything that's put before us and we just need to lock arms and move forward because you can so let's do this together ladies let's do this together and gentlemen you're also welcome to join us thank you stefan you were an awesome guest and we will be inviting you back in all ways shapes and forms men in <laughs> so the get hockey ready. back to get ready we we no, love it
2: it's a we, pleasure appreciate what you guys are doing that's an awesome thanks. work you're doing
1: Thank Thank you. you so much. God bless.